Thanks for tuning in to Travel Notes and for those of you listening on the FM dial for uh, tuning in to OM Radio, Charleston's community-supported radio station. I'm your host, Grace McNally, and today's guest is no stranger to the radio airwaves and Roots Music. We're going to be talking all about um, Roots Music and finding some common cultural and musical connections throughout the different styles that come from the Caribbean with Ose Chandler, who has 40 years of experience in social services with an emphasis on rehabilitation, career counseling, community service, and alternative education administration. For over 39 years, he has worked as a radio host, producer of jazz, world music, and reggae programs. His show, Roots Karamu, Karamu, thank you, is one of the longest-running radio show programs in the country, airing on Saturday nights at 10 p.m. on NPR. He was recently awarded a South Carolina Public Legacy Award earlier in March and was inducted into the Low Country Music Hall of Fame in 2017 and is a Racial Justice Network Award recipient in 2022 for cultural activism. His show, Roots, Karamu is a two-hour program centered on reggae music and brings listeners the sounds of calypso, soca, blues, jazz, gospel, juju, and more. Ose, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here with you, and I'm so excited to to talk with you about these different styles that I just mentioned, like Mm -hmm. soca, calypso, um, gospel, juju. But before we dive into those, tell me a little bit about your background um, in radio and, you know, how you came to reggae. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's like Bob Marley said when they asked him, how did you start singing? He said, I started out crying. <laughs> so, oh. but I didn't really start out crying, but I did, <laughs> it did seem to start from other, my parents. My father was a musician and my mother used to sing in his band. Oh. And um, he, was, he played salsa. Mm-hmm. Um, jazz and mostly Calypso is from Barbados but they divorced at an early age and so I ended up going with my mom of course and she kept a lot of great music around the house so that was wonderful but they sent me to Catholic school for my first five years before they broke up oh. and Catholic school gave me a big head start from public school as far as my academics were so in sure. the fifth grade in public school I became the audiovisual guy, crossing guard, because I had all of that stuff and I was a good student. Uh-huh. And so I learned about record players and film uh, projectors and things like that. And I carried that all through high school and junior high school. And then by the time I got to um, be a teenager, we formed a social club called the Syntherians. And we used to give a lot of basement parties, and I was the DJ for those things. Okay? Fine. <laughs> and then when I went away to college at McMurray College in Jacksonville, Illinois, in my dormitory's basement was the school's radio station. So, you know, I had to jump on that. I had a uh, Motown show and a jazz show with, with two other partners. This was back in Jacksonville, Illinois, 1968, where I made number 
13 as black students, so it was really a, mm. a challenge. But then when I came to um, Charleston, my wife was from um, Somerville, and so I ended up moving here back in 1977. And I visited WSCI, which had studios on Broad Street. Mm-hmm. And Tony Robertson was the, uh, the, the, uh, the host and producer of the Wednesday Night Jam session. And he invited me over to bring some records because, like I said, I already had a jazz show in college. And when I looked at the out there, it was tied up. It was very similar to what the WMMC mm-hmm. uh, had, you know, turned, I mean, uh, reel-to-reel decks and turntables. This is just like the college joint. I did. He said, oh, if you know something about this, I would hope you would play a couple of records. I'm going to go downstairs to the restaurant and get something to eat. Don't open the mic and I'll be back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when he came back, he asked, how did it go? And I showed him what I played. He said, okay, would you like to back announce those tunes? I said, sure. I did, and he said, well, it does look like you know what you're doing. I tell you what, this is my last show. Would you like to take it over? Bam. Just like that. It was from 7 p.m. in the evening to 9 p.m., so no one else was in the studios except he and me. Wow. So I said, yeah, I'd love to. He gave me the keys, showed me which knobs to twist to get it control from Columbia and then to give control back to Columbia because we're part of a network. And it was almost three months before anybody from the local station said anything to me about what are you doing here? You know? <laughs> Which <laughs> means things must have been going well. Yes, they were, yeah. they were going well. Thank you. So that's pretty much it. In a, so, oh, and then what happened was a jazz yeah. show. Uh-huh. They offered me two hours on Saturday night to do another jazz show and confirm with my new friend Jack McCray. You may have heard of his name before. Mm-hmm. And uh, some other fellows. I, I decided I'd like to do a uh, karamu, which means feast. It's a, so the Roots Music Karamu in my for original concept is a feast of African-rooted musics. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And uh, so I proposed that to John Dozier and Marcia Warnock, who are the administrators of WSCI, part of South Carolina Public Radio. And they said, mm, sounds good. Do whatever you want. We trust you. And that gave me a great deal of confidence. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome, though. But now i got two shows on the radio, so it's kind of difficult. One Wednesday night and another Saturday night. So Jack McRae took over the jazz show. And it lasted maybe two or three more years. And I'm still here with the uh, Roots Music Karamo. That (laughs) is amazing. It is. It's it's almost incredible, you know. How many years? So you started in 1979, so that's... Got to be April twenty first, nineteen seventy nine. Roots music up. started. Yeah. And so that make it. I'll be forty four years old. Well, the station album seventy six. <laughs> so I was thirty two when the when the show started. Wow. Yeah. Um, this was something I was actually going to ask you later in the in the um, conversation, but I think now is the perfect time. What has kept you kind of motivated to keep going with your show? Like, what what where do you find um, inspiration for it? Well, um, I'm guided in my life by the Ten Commandments and the Seven Principles. You may have heard of them as part of being Kwanzaa. Number six in those principles is Kuumba, which is defined as creativity. Always do as much as you can in any way that you can to make your community more beautiful than when you inherited it. And it seems that over time, the Roots Music Karamo has made such a contribution to the area here. So... And plus, it's the only thing I have to do anymore since I'm retired from, you know, regular work. So uh-huh. it's the only thing I have to do 
once a week uh, that I have to get up and do. <laughs> it's like a lifeline for me still. Oh, sure. And, and I still get great reactions from it, you know. So it's really a, um, a pleasure and, uh, like I say, a lifeline for me. Totally. That's beautiful. Well, let's dive into this, ne- this first song um, you provided. And this is Africa by Mighty Diamonds off of the album Africa. Is there anything you want to share about this track? Well, the Mighty Diamonds is the first reggae band I ever saw. My best friend at the oh. time, Bill Jones, may, may he rest in peace, took me to a club out. I'm from Brooklyn, so he took me to a club out on Sheepshead Bay to see the Mighty Diamonds. And I was taken by the, I, the harmonies and was, the songs were very good, but oh, yeah. this song was the first song I can remember hearing that identified me to Africa. Now, the first time I learned about that, like I said, in Catholic school, they didn't teach the African-Americans. They taught the slave. You went back to as far mm-hmm. as slavery, and they were doing real good, eating watermelon and listening to banjo music and having a good old time. Right. And then I heard Malcolm X speak in 1964. So now we're fast-forwarding, and now they're talking about it in, the, in music. And it really touched me, so I bought the album. It was mm. a 12-inch at the time. So let's listen to mm, I'm excited the, the to song listen. that gave me such motivation. Africa by the Mighty Diamonds.
Africa by the Mighty Diamonds. And if you're just tuning in, you're catching uh, Travel Notes. And I'm sitting with Ose Chandler, the host of Roots Music Karamu. Um, and yeah, that was a, a great a great track. It was super relaxing and just smooth. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things about reggae music is it tries to be relevant and creative, you know? And, yeah. And, yeah, I really love that song. <laughs> That's a good one. That was a good one to kick it yeah, off. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So we talked a little bit about this off the air right before we hopped on, but um, in your opinion, um, how do you think music of the Caribbean is connected uh, to musical traditions maybe from other parts of the world? Well, I like to say if it has drum and bass, then it's African-rooted. Uh, and, but a lot of African music is also choral. But basically, if it has great drum and bass, if the drum and bass sets the pace, uh-huh. then they're related. And that's one of the things that motivates me to give this music to Charleston because a lot of African Americans here, I don't, I know I didn't grow up knowing that I was an African American. Okay. Yeah. I just thought my history went far back as slavery. And then I learned that we all, so there's what they call a diaspora. Mm-hmm. And we are part of that. Absolutely. And, I, and my reggae program has helped to spread that message to the African Americans in South Carolina. It's and fantastic. I'm so grateful for that opportunity to help uplift them in such a way. Now, when I first came here, my audiences were 80, 85% white. Okay. Mm-hmm. South Carolina Public Radio was not on many of my communities. It was on the dial, but it never turned all the way to the left, okay? Uh-huh. And over the years, and especially through the help of my sons, who were young, younger, of course, and had friends, and they influenced their friends, and those friends influenced their parents, and and I was bringing bands to, bands to town, and, making, and they were playing the clubs, but they would also give me a shot to go at a school, say, and play in the courtyard that morning or that mm-hmm. afternoon, earlier on that Saturday, and it's helped spread the vibe, yeah. Power of music is great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It sometimes can feel like maybe word of mouth will take a long time or, you know, but then it's, I'm always shocked at how quickly things, um, kind of movements spread and like awareness Mm -hmm. develops just through the power of the arts. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's a great, they say music has charms to soothe or savage beasts. And it also can get you excited up to do things. For example, and we were on the uh, USS Yorktown, the South Carolina, my state, WSCA had a station on the USS Yorktown after we left Broad Street. I heard from sailors and Air Force men that were going to South Africa during the time that apartheid was being fought wow. by the uh, Afri- black Africans. Mm-hmm. And they, asked, they told me that we were going to Johannesburg or St. Petersburg, and can you say something to the ANC, the African Nationalist, whatever the ANC stands for, Nelson Mandela's organization. Okay. So we would play songs like Free Nelson Mandela, Get Up, Stand Up For Your Fight, you know, songs that were banned in South Africa. 
And eventually wow. they freed Nelson Mandela. And I said, we had something to do with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Uh, it is incredible. That is, it, it, like you were saying, it, it gives people the uh, motivation. I think it really just does something for the soul to mm. really like empower people. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I know we didn't do any frontline stuff, but, but hey, sometimes you need inspiration. And, totally. And, so. Totally. So um, this next song is called Slavery Days by Marcus Garvey. Is there anything off the album Burning Spear? Is there anything you'd like to say about this one? Well, Burning Spear was the second uh, reggae group that I saw. At the time, there were three individuals that did harmonies, and they were Burning Spear. But over time, that has morphed into one man being known as Burning Spirit. His name is Winston Rodney. Now, this song tells us not to forget the days of slavery. And Spear gives it such emotion that you feel, you can feel some of the tensions. That's a a smidgen of what those tensions might have been like back in those days. Sure. So when we play this kind of music, I call it um, inner uh, it helps uplift you mm-hmm. with information about your past, but it doesn't leave you there. Let's check it out. Ooh, Burning Spear. Do you remember the days of slavery?
And that was Slavery Days off of Burning Spear. So, Ose, we were chatting right before um, we hopped back on, but what um, were there a couple more words you wanted to share about this track in particular? Yes, I wrote this so I wouldn't forget it down. That song evokes a teeny glimpse of the cruelty of chattel slavery, and it encourages us not to forget so that we, the survivors, can continue to work against the vestiges of slavery. Burning Spear. It's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> you have right. a, a way with words. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dad. Okay. So tell me, um, how has travel impacted your journey as someone who's involved in the arts? Well, greatly. I, let me start with Brooklyn again. I, you know, I was born and raised in Brooklyn. I moved sure. here until I was in my 30s, okay? Brooklyn is like a patchwork quilt of a variety of subcultures. Yeah. Where I lived, where I grew up finally in my high school years in a section called Bushwick. Uh-huh. If you went third, three blocks up Putnam Avenue, made a left on Central, you're going into an Italian neighborhood. If you made that le- a right instead, you're going to go into a German neighborhood. And if you come back down to Bushwick Avenue and went right, you're going to run into a Puerto Rican neighborhood. And if you come on across Broadway and went to North Street Avenue, you're going to get a Jamaican neighborhood in the West. You know, so all of that music is in the air. All of those foods and other cultural traditions are around you. So I'm mm-hmm. traveling through Brooklyn here and all this kind of music as well. But then um, I did get to do a little traveling, and not much, but... When you see other people express their cultures and you hear their music, mm. well, Jack McCray had a, um, a spot on my show one year, and he, where he used to do, we called it the Roots Rap, and he would talk about the cultural icons and things like that, and he'd mm-hmm. give a definition to them. And one of his Roots Raps was about music live and direct. It seemed that people become, <laughs> have become more used to recorded music, yeah. but that live music, when you hear it, Either you like it or you don't. It's not, there's no, you know, it can move you. And more often, you will like it when you see people making music. Totally. So I'll say that much. And then I also want to say that my sons, oh, number one, when I went to Jamaica in 1978 with Mm -hmm. a small group of friends, I had just moved to South Carolina, and I heard a DJ, Mikey Dredd was his name, and I was impressed, you know. And I saw I bought a bunch of reggae music as um, uh, uh, and then I moved down south. The store was closing in my neighborhood. Oh, okay. And a big, big, huge discount. So I bought a bunch oh, nice. of records. I love when and, that happens. And Mikey Dread, <laughs> the Dread at the Control was his tag down there on the Jamaica Broadcasting Station. <laughs> and um, I adopted it here. Uh, I'm the Dread at the Control because back then I had dreadlocks, you know. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> And my my sons, my son and my daughter have traveled extensively around the world. Was, I was my oldest son. Uh, he was in Peace Corps, and he cool. does he teaches international schools, and he's always telling me about new music and, and and linking me up to new musicians and giving me their music. My daughter Naima spent uh, twenty years in the Coast Guard, and she's been all around the world, and she does the same thing. In fact, just yesterday she sent me some. Check this out, Pop. You know, I love that. So their travel has helped. In addition, I spent time in well, not time, but two weeks in Tanzania, where I went to Zanzibar. Oh wow! Uh, African music on the African skies, the Sauti Sabusara mm. uh, festival that they have there. I spent a little 
a couple of weeks in Cuba one time and traveled from Santiago to Havana and music all along the way in the restaurants, in the parks, and in the Havana Jazz Festival. Oh, you've been there? Yes. Same. It's a blessing. <laughs> Not even in disguise. It's a straight up blessing. Amen. What year did you go? Just wondering. I think it was 2013. 2013. Okay. Yeah. I was there actually with Gino. Shout out to Gino. Oh. Who, yeah, we went together. He he was gracious enough to invite me back in 2019 right before, or was it 2020? I think it was officially 2020 because it was right before the pandemic. Wow. I mean, we literally. You performed there. No, no, just, oh. I went down there just to, to listen to the music. And oh it was, like you were saying, like music just everywhere. Cafes, I mean, yes, every know, building had something going that's on. That's right. If I don't hear Guantanamera again, I'll be all right. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> like two yeah. But other than that, it was a wonderful experience. <laughs> I sat behind Choo Choo Valdez at one of the shows. He had performed the night before. Oh, no, yeah. And I said, yo, man. I didn't want to act like a groupie, but you know. <laughs> it's hard not to when you're around yeah. such like amazing, yeah. you know, musicians. Yeah. And it's in Cuba, it's like everyone yeah. is. The, yeah. the level of musicianship is so high and so many people can study it and really yeah. study it. Um, so you've done some serious traveling. Yeah, because you were in, spent some time. So you went to a festival in Zanzibar? Yes, it was beautiful. I mean, maybe three days or four days. It was um, all African music, you know. And it was, I mean, I, I, I fell in love with a song called, I should have put that on the list, Don Alina. You might want to write that down. I might, yeah. By Blick Basie. I think he's from. I've heard of him. Blick, oh my yes. goodness. Yes. Such a sweet sound. And then we talked a little bit about, um, well, we didn't talk about it yet, but labels such as Putumayo and Playing for Change and the Easy Star All-Stars, they are all concentrating on making the link. We're all all in this together, yo. Yeah. And I I, I like that stuff, and I try to put that on the air as well. Oh, man, Putumayo. I I would say that's my mom listened to a lot of Putumayo. I remember back in the day, you know, you'd go to like Barnes and Noble and then Uh, they would have the CD uh, section and you could listen to the CDs. We used to do that. Yeah. All the just hang out in there sometimes for a few hours, just like checking out all the different CDs and Putumayo CDs they had. Um, So tell me, was there anything else you wanted to add actually as far as, was there anything else you wanted to add about travel? Um, that was pretty much it. Um, was it? That they, uh, my kids make a contribution. Other people make contributions. Always connecting me up with um, other, with those resources so that sure. they can get on the air. You know, um, the, one of some of the groups that I learned through my kids was Simfiwi Dana from South Africa, Catch a Fire. I don't know, I remember if they're New Zealand or, or Australia. Um, Masoku, I don't even know where he's from, but some great music. <laughs> and um, I was listening to your show, and I wrote a couple of names down, but I lost them. Oh, thank I, you. You had a guy, I think Azato or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, Azato. I'd like to get his music. He's, I'd be happy to connect you with him too. And he's, um, he's in Hawaii and does amazing right, right, work. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah. I was listening. Very good stuff you do. Oh, thank you. You're welcome, and thank you. Oh, that means so much. <laughs> um, and I love it. I mean, like. I, f- I feel equally just kind of motivated by the the power of music to connect people, you know, and yeah. find connections through culture. It makes the world feel a little smaller and like we have more in common, you know. Well, you know, I like to say that uh, the, at one point I, I told you what the original concept was, Karamo, um, yeah. a feast of African rooted musics. But then Afropop Worldwide came on and then Gary Irwin was on the air with the blues in the night and 
south to Louisiana. He had a, a Cajun show and then he had a Latin music show. So I said, I better stake out the Caribbean before somebody tries to take over that area. This is mm-hmm. mine, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, so that's when, I be, that's when I began to focus on the reggae and calypso and soca aspect. But I still can include anything I want to. That's how much freedom I have at, at awesome. the uh, South Carolina Public Radio. That's wonderful. For that. yeah. yeah, no, that is great. And just kind of keeps the door open for, you know, all kinds of great, great music and artists. Um, tell me a little bit about your work with the Charleston Middle Passage. Well, yeah, I guess it was 20, well, this would be about 26 years. I think about 199. I don't know. 20, I can't count. But it's been going on for about 26 years. Uh-huh. A friend of mine from an organization I was involved with in Brooklyn called The East um, his name was Adeyemi Bandelli. He came to me one day from, he was living in Atlanta at the time. He said he wanted to talk to me. He came over and he suggested that since he knew that Charleston was a port to bring in Africans to, to, into slavery, mm-hmm. that we should be part of the, what they call the Ma'afa, the Middle Passage, where we give honor to those Africans that perished in the Middle Passage. It's estimated that maybe two-thirds of the folks that came from Africa arrived, maybe less. The others were thrown overboard, jumped overboard, or died on board from the horrific conditions of those slaving ships. They say that the um, sharks changed their migratory habits to follow the slaving ships because they knew that they were going to get meals. Oh, my gosh. It's so horrific. And with Charleston being the location for 66% of those Africans that came to the United States of Mm -hmm. America, it was appropriate that we do such a thing. Absolutely. It's not funded by any governmental agency. We don't want to be funded by any governmental agency, although we do use um, the Fort Moultrie out on Sullivan's Island as the location for the event because, historically speaking, where the Mo- Fort Moultrie is built, there's a harbor on one side where the boats would come in from mm-hmm. across the Atlantic and come into the harbor and offload the cargo, for better, one of a better mm-hmm. word where they would take the, those Africans that survived and put them into what they call pest houses, where they would clean them up, mm-hmm. take care of the sores on them, mm-hmm. give them some nutrition so that they would look better on the slave block. Okay, mm-hmm. and that, that site is so significant that Tony Morrison's society put what they call a bench by the road there. Tony Morrison is an African-American woman who writes novels and books and mm-hmm. And I think the one called Beloved was the inspiration for the bench by the road where she said something to the effect that uh, or anywhere, there's no place in the world where you can go and find out what happened at this spot, you know? Yeah. So a bench by the road with a plaque that gives you an opportunity to meditate on that spot. Mm. And at one point after we were doing the, uh, the uh, Middle Passage ceremony, she came, they came and put a bench by the road right at the same site that we had already acknowledged as oh, that. Oh, wow. So we're confident, we're, we're proud of that as well. Um, that it happens, the, ben, no, the Middle Passage program happens every second Saturday in June. Since we started, we, helped, we also helped start a program called the, uh, well, an organization called the ICAMP, the International Committee to Commemorate African and the African ancestors of the Middle Passage. Mm. There are like 22 na- uh, n- national cities that do this. Oh, wow. And about 12 or 14 
international communities from Portobello, Panama, to Ghana, to uh, uh, Costa Rica, where my son is. Wow. People who would come to our program every second Saturday in June and say, well, I'm from Ohio, but I don't know if I can come back next year. Well, all you got to do, part of the program is, the only part that's central to everyone is at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, mm -hmm. excuse me, we have a um, libation, an African prayer. Mm-hmm. And then we put flowers on 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 the water. We collect oh, them in, yeah. a, in a sheet or some African cloth, and we put them right in the um, bay, right right in the, on the dock. There's mm -hmm. a symbolic uh, uh, offering for those ancestors that died mm -hmm. during the Middle Passage. In Charleston, we had to incorporate a, uh, an educational component. Sure. So at 9 a.m., we have maybe a speaker or a film because not everybody knows about the Middle Passage, yeah. as incredible as that may seem. That's one of those hidden elements in our, quote, history. Yeah. So if they taught history as history is, we would not need black history. But they don't, so we do. And yeah. that's one of our contributions to the local black history. That's uh, fantastic. Thank you. Everybody's I have to mark welcome. my calendar. I was going to say, I'm, yeah. I'm, my ears are perked. I'm like, I'll have to um, come out. That's the second Saturday in June, 12, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard You want to be time. at Fort Moultrie by 9, so by if nine. you want to take part in the educational component. Sure. And then they go over to the beach where you could actually see Morris Lighthouse and where it guided the ships into the harbor. Mm. And then... It, we go back across, it's a little narrow area of the island, so yeah, you go to the left of the beach, yeah. you got to come back right to get to the cove where they offloaded the cargo. Got it. It's a very spiritual feeling because oh, at I the bet. beach, we allow the people to walk in the water, not swim, no swimming, because it's very, you got tides and all that kind of stuff, but for the for the people to step in that water and feel that they're connected now to Africa, mm -hmm. not just learning about it on a song or reading about it or hearing about it on a lecture, you are in the same waters that those Africans were brought through to be sold. So mm, that is powerful. Yeah, and I got to thank um, Sister Deborah Wright for helping, well, not helping me. We started it together. Okay. Yeah, and you may have heard the name Quadro Campbell. He was in that organization at the time before he moved to Greenville. Mm. And it's a three of we, as they say in Charleston, the three of we got that going. And now, um, after 20 some odd years, the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, ASALA, an mm -hmm. organization started by Carter G. Woodson, they're taking it over because I'm getting kind of old. I've oh. gotten kind of old, yeah. So I'm happy to say that um, the Charleston chapter of Asala will be conducting the Middle Passage ceremony henceforth. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks to your, you pioneering with your, with Deborah. it sounds like Deborah, you so, and Deborah together started the oh yeah. uh, Charleston uh, chapter or the. Well, Deborah and I yeah. and Quadro, we started, um, started it here. Okay. And let me say this about iCamp. You can go online with I-C-C-A-A-M-P and learn about those other locations as well as the Charleston location. They have film, they have uh, photographs, and they also have the information about what the Middle Passage ceremonies are all about and why. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, let's dive into another track here. We have, I mean, who doesn't love Bob Marley? This is... Turn your lights down low 
off the um, Exodus album. Let me say this about that, if I may. Okay. Sure. Well, number one, I don't play a week, uh, a show on the weekend that I don't include a Bob Marley song. Mm -hmm. Either by him or by someone else. You gotta be in there every week. <laughs> right. But this is one of the most sensual, erotic, I wanna say, love songs. It should be in the top 10, or at least the top 50 <laughs> of anybody's love song. Aww. So check it out. If you don't agree with me, I'll give you your money back. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Here you go. Turn your lights down low And pull your window curtains Oh, let your moon come shining in Into our life again
Mm, that was some some Bob Marley for you. Turn your lights down low, which is such a nice song. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were just chatting off the air about some of um, Osei's, you know, aside from doing radio, he's done a lot for the community by way of, um, you know, helping young adults get the financial assistance they need to go to college and helping them just with all the resources out there and and then starting a youth soccer league. Talk a little bit more about that again, the youth soccer league. Well, the Ebony City Soccer Club. Soccer. And the Little Pele's is the name of the team. I mean, Aww. the original team. And all the other teams seem to have a little Pele's in their names, like the the girls were the Pelets, and the two girls seemed the Pelets and the Lady Pelet. In 1981, uh, we decided to give it a shot. It's too long of a story to tell here, to tell you the honest truth. But, okay. But it was a wonderful opportunity to introduce soccer to the black community, and it was not easy. But the reason why they called themselves the Little Pelets is because they had a chance to see Pele play on one of his training tapes at our early, one of our early meetings with the kids, and that motivated them to try that stuff that he was doing because all that they had seen in soccer was I see. white people coming from Mount Pleasant, playing in their parks and leaving the beer cans and stuff and going on back. Sure. It, it wasn't attractive. And we showed them Pele. They said, oh, that's the difference between a two-hand set shot in basketball and Dr. J or Michael Jordan zoom into the hoop, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so it, it was really a fun thing to do. I, I credit my best friend, Cito Lindsay from Panama, who was my friend in New York. He came to here to help us with the little Pele's. And because um, mm. and, and, I, I didn't play soccer, <laughs> <laughs> but he did. He grew up in Panama, you know. Oh, yeah, they play soccer down there for sure. And my oldest son, who has traveled around the world, has made friends and become uh, multilinguist because of soccer. He was in Italy, wow. um, uh, Nicaragua, now Nicaragua? he's in Costa Rica, yeah. Was he? Where did he serve in the Peace Corps? He served in Nicaragua. Get out! Yeah. I was I spent like on and off two years in Nicaragua. Is that right? Yeah, and I, I, there were Peace Corps volunteers down there. I met some. Mm -hmm. Amer yeah, Peace yeah. Corps volunteers, great country. Yeah, and then he was in Korea. Oh wow! And he played soccer there. I mean, every place he goes in Africa, he plays soccer. Any place you go in the world, they play soccer, except maybe. And I can't think of a place. Right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's kind of like music. It's one of those things, sports, it brings people together. And after it's the game, the they go out and get a, a beer or two. And, and of course. So now he's immersed in that language. So he can uh -huh. speak Italian, he can speak Spanish, and he can wow. speak uh, good English. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is that is pretty impressive. And it, it definitely helps. Things like that help, you know, kind of connect connect mm -hmm. people with other cultures and, um and was there anything else before we hop on i wanted to play that last song that you sent okay now that we found love but anything else before that i'm gonna take this opportunity if i may to thank all of those who have assisted me in these endeavors my wife of 40 years plus who is now with the ancestors for over 13 years sadika mm -hmm. my sons azigwe and chair who really helped this music be accepted and celebrated in the black communities I want to thank Tony Robinson, who bequeathed me his Wednesday night jam session, Mikey Dredd for inspiration, Marsha Warnock and John Dozier of WSCI, Jack McCray I mentioned earlier. I want to thank um, the co-hosts that I've had over the years. None of them can really stick with it, but Brother Nick did and Daryl <laughs> Robbins helped me quite a bit. Back in the um, 
early 80s, the only cable company in Charleston was Stora Cable. And we had some public airtime that they had to give to the community and I had a Roots Music Karamu TV show. What? <laughs> and that's thanks to Daryl Robbins. It was that's on for so about cool. seven to 10 months, but it's very difficult to put a half an hour together. It takes almost two oh, and a half, three hours. A lot of work, it's yeah. So I had to let that go. I want to thank Melvina Rabinell. Uh, she helped recently with the uh, community bulletin board and the mm. Facebook page for the Roots Music Karamu. Um, and the Charlestonians who, and all the Charlestonians who somehow insisted that the Roots Music Karamo return to the air when all the local shows were canceled and Columbia closed down the local studio around 1995. Mm-hmm. And the people raised such a heck, so much heck, <laughs> that they had to bring us back. I want to thank Roots Roberts at ARP Studios, who keeps the show going now in this digital age because I can't do this digital stuff. Mm-hmm. The most challenge to me was CDs, okay? I was used oh, to yeah. 45s and LPs, but I could do CDs, but now everything has to be downloaded or uploaded or something. Yeah. Lastly, I want to thank Bill Saunders of the now defunct WPAL, Tony Jamison of 95SX, and the managers of, of um, 96 Wave, B98, and Foxy 104.5 have all given me an opportunity to be on the air. Grateful to the city of Charleston for letting reggae be part of the Moja Festival and the oh, yeah. Piccolo Spoleto, which were my shows, of county park system that has reggae every summer. That's it's James right. Allen County James Park. Island, we did yes. that. We we're responsible for that. Amazing. And all those opportunities. Frankie the Big Bopper, thank you. And Anthony Baxter, thank you very well, very much. <laughs> and I hope I haven't forgotten anybody, but I'm sure I did. Oh, you did such a wonderful job. And I have to say thank you for all the amazing work you've done throughout the years and continue to do for our community. I mean, so many things that are the way they are now in the music and the cultural realm are because of the work that you've done. So, Well, if I may, the last thing I will say. Yeah. um, Well, (laughs) let me say this first, because you want to play now that we found love by Third World. They made it popular, but did you know (laughs) that the OJs, American group, made that song first? I didn't know that. Now you know. The OJs. They didn't change it that much. It's a nice tune. But I'd like to finish with a a poem that I wrote back in 1987. So some of the information is going to be dated. But this is how I was feeling back in 1987. Some, I don't know how many years ago that was. Uh It's titled, An Open Letter to Anyone Willing to Read the Runnings of a Roots Music Lover. Since, since Since I'm a youth, music is a love. Growing up in Brooklyn, a blessing from above. My father of mine was a band man. With him, my mother did sing. With jazz and salsa music makers, daddy did a thing. Now I'm in Charleston, 10 years soon to be. Look out, mom and dad. I'm on radio and TV. The dread at the control, the handle I own. The only roots rock reggae in this here Charleston. But time marches on. Mom and dad can overstand. On AM and FM and store cable TV is too much pressure for one man. My people still ain't ready no matter what I do. Let's leave it to the youth them to carry the story through. Zeke, Cheo, Nima, I know they feel it in their hearts to do the things that's right, like Ziggy on the charts. I'll dabble now and then, that's right. Maybe sit and chill or skank it with Siddiqua. We love the rhythm still. This music is for everyone, is what I and I hear them say. But when they change a name and it must travel across the way, mm-mm. Children, get your culture, is what Bob Marley said. Don't sit there and jester. Your heart is better dread. 
Oh, that is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Osei. Such a treat. And um, before we head out, where can people tune in to Roots Karamu? I am so glad you asked that. <laughs> Every Saturday night from 10 to midnight on any of the South Carolina public radio stations, you can hear the Roots Music Karamu. Also, any place in the world, when my daughter was in the Coast Guard, she served at the U.S. Embassy in Jamaica, mm. in Kingston, Jamaica, mm-hmm. where she had people listening to my show. I had fans in Jamaica. I believe it. <laughs> and my our son, Ezekiel, he has my show every Saturday night in Aww. Costa Rica. Anywhere in the world, you can hear this program if you go to South Carolina Public Radio, scroll down to the Roots Music Karama, or click on to live streaming now at 10 o'clock you will hear the roots music karama and you get to see the playlist isn't that amazing thanks to technology you can truly tune in from all over the world it's awesome and thank you guys so much for for tuning in to travel notes and listening on ohm radio if that's where you're tuning in oh say a big thank you again just for being here today i appreciate you taking the time now that we found love what are we going to do with it That's the question. (laughs) This is by The Third World.